0: Hey, folks, today I'm going to do a little bit of reading for you. I'm going to read from the text of the Dion Report. That's Mario Dion, the new ethics commissioner. I'm going to take you through it. It's about some of the crooked conduct of Justin Trudeau in the SNC-Lavalin scandal. It's, there's so much in there. You know, I, I only touched the surface, but I'll read a few minutes of it to you. Um, hey, can you do me a quick favor and become a premium subscriber? That's eight bucks a month or eighty bucks a year. You actually get a discount if you type in the coupon code podcast. You get access to the video version of the podcast, and you also get access to shows by Sheila Gunn reed and David Menzies. Uh, eight bucks a month. Go to the rebel.media slash shows, and uh, here's the podcast. Tonight, huge news, news that in a healthy democracy would result in a resignation. Justin Trudeau has been convicted of breaking the law in the SNC-Lavalin scandal. It's August 14th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Why? consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government is the White House because it's my bloody right to do so. Justin Trudeau has broken the law again. It's what, his fifth violation now? That's a problem in itself because it's becoming normalized. We're turning into a place where it doesn't much matter if we have a lawbreaker as our chief lawmaker. Other than legalizing drugs, I don't think Trudeau really has any other legacy, don't you? I, it's awful. Here's, here's the news. He's being convicted of violating the Conflict of Interest Act by interfering with Jody Wilson-Raybould, who was then the Attorney General, by trying to get her to drop criminal charges against a corrupt Quebec engineering company called SNC-Lavalin. The report today was released uh, by the Conflict of Interest and Ethics Commissioner. His name is Mario Dion. I tell you that because this is the second conflict of interest and ethics commissioner who has convicted Trudeau. You can see the cover of his book, The Conviction Findings. It's called Trudeau II Report. You see that? That's because there is already a Trudeau Report Number 1 by the earlier ethics commissioner. It was a finding by the previous commissioner when Trudeau illegally took a bribe worth about $200,000 in the form of a free family vacation to Billionaire's Island, a private island in the Bahamas owned by the Aga Khan, a billionaire who just happens to have a lot of business with the Canadian government. And by business, I mean we give him big cash grants for his project. So it's pretty easy to see how that would be illegal. The Aga Khan gives Trudeau's family free vacations and Trudeau's government gives the Aga Khan millions of dollars in taxpayers' money. That's called corruption. It's why it's against the law for politicians to take gifts. It's why, for example, it's illegal for Trudeau to take free flights from any donor. And in fact, he took a private flight from the Aga Khan to get to Billionaire Island. It's a bribe. Trudeau isn't so stupid not to know that. That's why he covered it up. Kept it a secret, did not disclose it, then tried to cover it up. Again, Gerald Butts was up to his eyeballs, and that one too. Butts was the janitor, the cleanup man for Trudeau's mess. It didn't work, or, or maybe it did. I mean, other than a bit of news, nothing really happened, did it? No criminal charges. The media still deeply loved Trudeau after Billionaire Island. But this second report, it's a doozy. I'm going to quote uh, from it today. I think you already know the basics. As you know, SNC-Lavalin is a corrupt company that, as part of its business model, pays tens of millions of dollars in bribes to public officials around the world to get them to give big contracts to SNC-Lavalin. But uh, they're not only corrupt themselves, they corrupt public institutions. They're stealing from citizens who have to overpay for projects. They're stealing from other honest engineering firms. But worse than the theft of money is the destruction of public ethics. They paid tens of millions of dollars in bribes to Muammar Gaddafi's family to get fat contracts in Libya. (laughs) The company even bought prostitutes and drugs in Canada for Gaddafi's son. SNC-Lavalin is basically a criminal organization. I'm not saying everyone who works there was. Obviously, it's full of honest engineers who do honest work. But the executives, the salesmen, the people going around to drum up the business, they're criminals. Now, this is not a baseless allegation. It's an admission by the company. Oh, and it's not just overseas. They do this in Canada, which really bugs me. It's one thing to steal from Libyans, but I'm not really Libyan. I don't care much. Uh, but they're stealing from Canadians, corrupting Canadians. They're stealing from hospital budgets in Canada. Who does that? What low-life criminals steal from the sick? Well, snc and That too. So that's against the law, if you didn't know. And so the government was prosecuting them, which is correct, and Jody Wilson-Raybould was the Attorney General overseeing the Department of Public Prosecutions, which was actually running the lawsuit against SSC LaValin, and Trudeau intervened again and again. He did so personally, and he put his whole staff onto it, and Gerald Butts was behind it all, just like he was behind the cover-up for the illegal vacation in the Bahamas. Trudeau tried to get Jody Wilson-Raybould to drop the charges against his criminal friends. Was Trudeau on the take too? Did he take bribes too? Like the other liberals did in Montreal too for the hospital like the Gaddafi's did in Libya? We have no evidence that he did. But if he was taking bribes from SNC-Lavalin, I really don't see a single thing he would do differently than he has been doing. He really has been as partisan and desperate and interfering on SNC-Lavalin's behalf as the Gaddafis were in Libya, except they're here in Canada, there are still some checks and balances. He had to fire Jody Wilson-Raybould because she got in his way. Uh, But the conflict of interest and ethics commissioner called him out today. Now that's a paper tiger. That's nothing. He's not going to jail. That's not a criminal conviction against Trudeau himself, but... At least it's a warning to all of us. I'd like to read a little bit from that warning now. I'd like to read some extended excerpts from the findings today. A conviction. He was convicted of breaking the law. Again, he was the first prime minister in history to be convicted of breaking a federal law while prime minister. And, And this is, I think, his fifth conviction under the Conflict of Interest Act. And remember, when this all broke in a bombshell front page story by the Globe and Mail back in February, remember what Trudeau said? He called it fake news.
1: The allegations in the GLOBE story this morning are false. Uh, Neither the current nor the previous Attorney General uh, was ever directed by me or by anyone in my office uh, to uh, take a a decision uh, in this matter. The allegations reported in the story are false. Uh, At no time did I or uh, my office uh, direct uh, the current or previous Attorney General uh, to make uh, any particular decision in this matter.
0: Yeah, he's a liar. I'm shocked, aren't you? Uh, maybe one day the RCMP will actually decide to do their job. I mean, I know the new RCMP commissioner is a... Feminist, just like Trudeau, and she was just appointed by Trudeau, and she owes her career to Trudeau. But maybe she still has a shred of public interest left in her deep down under all the liberal BS, maybe. So let me read to you from the ethics report today. So I'm I'm reading from Mario Dion's report. Uh, This report, he says, represents the findings of my examination under the Conflict of Interest Act of the conduct of the Right Honorable Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada. I sought to determine whether he used his position. To seek to influence a decision of the Attorney General of Canada, the Honorable Jody Wilson Raybould, relating to a criminal prosecution involving SNC Lavalin, contrary to Section 9 of the Act. Section 9 prohibits public office holders from using their position to seek an, uh, to influence a decision of another person so as to further their own private interests or those of their relatives or friends, or to improperly further another person's private interests. Pretty clear. And that private interest is a key point, because Trudeau keeps saying jobs, 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 but today Mario Dion found, no, no, no. He was actually fighting for SNC-Lavalin's financial interests and his own political interests. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to skip some unimportant sentences. It's quite a long document. I want to speed it up. Let me read some more. SNC-Lavalin was charged in February 2015 with criminal offenses that allegedly took place between 2001 and 2011, under a remediation agreement, also called a Deferred Prosecution Agreement, the criminal charges could be deferred or suspended. At the time, Canada did not have a regime to allow remediation agreements. In early 2016, SNC-Lavalin began lobbying officials with the current government to adopt a remediation agreement regime. Following public consultations, amendments to the criminal code allowing for such a regime were adopted as part of the 2018 Federal budget. On September 4, 2018, the Director of Public Prosecutions informed the Officer of the Minister of Justice and Attorney General that she would not invite SNC-Lavalin to negotiate a possible remediation agreement. The Prime Minister's Office and the Minister of Finance's Office were then informed of this decision by Ms. Wilson-Raybould's Office. Mr. Trudeau then directed his staff to find a solution. That would safeguard SNC-Lavalin's business interests in Canada. The first step in my analysis was to determine whether Mr. Trudeau sought to influence the decision of the Attorney General as to whether she would intervene in a criminal prosecution involving SNC-Lavalin. Following the dire- decision of the Director of Public Prosecutions, the evidence showed there were many ways in which Mr. Trudeau either directly or through the actions of those under his direction sought to influence the Attorney. General, there were many ways, not once, not an accident, but part of an ongoing plan. If this were a gang, if this were the mafia, it would be called a criminal conspiracy. To tamper with a criminal trial? Here, let me read some more. Having reviewed several possible means of intervening in the matter, Ms. Wilson-Raybould made it known in September that she would not intervene in the Director of Public Prosecution's decision. Mr. Trudeau met with Ms. Wilson-Raybould on September 17, at which time she reiterated her decision not to intervene in the Director of Public Prosecution's decision to not invite SNC-Lavalin to enter into a remediation agreement. She also expressed to Mr. Trudeau her concern of inappropriate attempts to interfere politically with the Attorney General in a criminal matter. Following this meeting, senior officials under the direction of Mr. Trudeau continued to engage both with SNC-Lavalin's legal counsel and separately with Ms. Wilson-Raybould and her ministerial staff to influence her decision even after SNC-Lavalin had filed an application for a judicial review of the Director of Public Prosecution's decision. These attempts also included encouraging her to re-examine the possibility of obtaining external advice from someone like a former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, unbeknownst to the Attorney General at that time, Legal opinions from two Supreme Court justices retained by SNC-Lavalin had been reviewed by the Prime Minister's Office and other ministerial offices. Meanwhile, both SNC-Lavalin and the Prime Minister's Office had approached former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court to participate in the matter. The final attempt to influence Ms. Wilson-Raybould occurred during a conversation with a former clerk of the Privy Council on December 19th as an appeal on behalf of Mr. Trudeau to impress upon her that a solution was needed to prevent the economic consequences of snc Lavland not entering into negotiations for a remediation agreement. Oh, there were a lot of things in there, weren't there? Did you catch the part where they tried to trick Jody Wilson-Raybould? They, remember, they told her, hey, uh, maybe we could possibly ask someone really smart like a former Supreme Court judge, what they think? Would, would, would you be open to that? I mean, that's bizarre and absurd and inappropriate. That's not how we do things. But you see, it was a trick. They, they were already on side with SNC-Lavalin. They had been hired by SNC-Lavalin. SNC-Lavalin paid for Frank Iacobucci, a former Supreme Court judge, to come up with an opinion. They were actually going to show that. They, there was another judge, too. They had all these judges lined up. They knew what they were going to say. They, they, were, they were trying to trick Jody Wilson-Raybould, it didn't work, so they had to fire her. Here's more. Simply seeking to influence the decision of another person is insufficient for there to be a contravention of Section 9. The second step of the analysis was to determine whether Mr. Trudeau, through his actions and those of his staff, sought to improperly further the interests of SNC-Lavalin. The evidence showed that SNC-Lavalin had significant financial interests in deferring prosecution, these interests would likely have been furthered had Mr. Trudeau successfully influenced the Attorney General to intervene in the direction of public prosecution's decision. The actions that sought to further these interests were improper since they were contrary to the Shawcross Doctrine and the principles of prosecutorial independence and the rule of law. will just read a little bit more. Here's the key part. For these reasons, I found that Mr. Trudeau used his position of authority over Ms. Wilson-Raybould to seek to influence, both directly and indirectly, her decision on whether she should overreel the Director of Public Prosecution's decision not to invite SNC-Lavalin to enter into negotiations toward a remediation agreement. Therefore, I find that Mr. Trudeau contravened Section 9 of the Act. Boom. He's a lawbreaker. Your prime minister is a lawbreaker. He broke the law. But we all knew that. But we didn't know some other details. Did, I didn't know that Trudeau was actively working with snc Lavellan against the attorney general. While Jody Wilson-Raybould and the director of public prosecutions were prosecuting, Trudeau was collaborating with snc Lavalan. That's incredible. Now, I, now, we knew a lot of this before, but for some reason, we're all acting like everything's just... Just fine. Now let me read to you another interesting part of this report. I won't read you too much more. This ethics commissioner, Mario Dion, he started to investigate in February, right when the Globe story broke. I think he started the next day, in fact. Listen to how Trudeau tried to cover up the fact. We saw him lying there. Oh, the story is false. Look at how he covered up the facts. If he were a conservative, he would be be compared to Richard Nixon hiding documents, deleting tapes. Look at this. Let me read this. On February 8th, I wrote to Mr. Trudeau, this is Mario Dion speaking, I wrote to Mr. Trudeau to inform him that I was initiating an examination of his conduct. I informed Mr. Trudeau that the purpose of my examination was to determine whether he used his position to seek to influence the decision of Ms. Wilson-Raybould in her capacity as Attorney General of Canada so as to improperly further the private interests of SNC-Lavalin. I requested that Mr. Trudeau produce all relevant documents in the possession, custody, or control of the Prime Minister's office. Okay. During this examination, nine witnesses, so this is nine staff of Trudeau, informed our office that they had information they believed to be relevant, but that could not be disclosed because according to them, this information would reveal a confidence of the Queen's Privy Council and would fall outside the scope of order in Council 2019-105. In order to gain access to as much relevant information as possible, on March 29th, I instructed legal counsel in our office to engage with counterparts in the Privy Council Office to request that witnesses be enabled to provide all of their evidence to our office. Despite several weeks of discussions, the offices remained at an impasse over access to cabinet documents on may 3rd i raised the matter directly with the prime minister during his interview through legal counsel mr trudeau stated that he would consult with the privy council office to see whether the order in council could be amended so i guess justin trudeau needed permission in a letter dated june 13th the clerk of the privy council declined my request for ca- access to all cabinet conferences In respect of this investigation, because of the decisions to deny our office further access to cabinet confidences, witnesses were constrained in their ability to provide all evidence. I was therefore prevented from looking over the entire body of evidence to determine its relevance to my examination. Decisions that affect my jurisdiction under the act by setting parameters on my ability to receive evidence should be made transparently and democratically by Parliament not by the very same public office holders who are subject to the regime I administer. I am convinced that if our office is to remain truly independent and fulfill its purpose, I must have unfettered access to all information that could be relevant to the exercise of my mandate. I must be satisfied that decisions made by the most senior public office holders, including those discussed at Cabinet, are free from any conflicts of interest. In the present examination, I have gathered sufficient factual information to properly determine the matter on its merits. Because of my inability to access all cabinet conferences related to the matter, I must, however, report that I was unable to fully discharge the investigatory duties conferred upon me by the act. All right, I'm sorry to read so much, but my point is this. Trudeau was a lawbreaker. That's the son. He was convicted today. But we don't even know the half of it because Trudeau continues to refuse to hand over information and he has ordered his staff not to talk either, saying it's confidential. But this is the ethics commissioner. His job is to investigate confidential things. He won't blab about state secrets. He's not an outsider. He's an internal check on the power of MPs, including cabinet, and Trudeau refuses to let him see what Trudeau did.
1: Do you have any plans to resign or at least apologize formally? Uh, I recognize. Uh, that this was a situation that shouldn't have happened. Uh, but my desire to protect Canadians and at the same time uh, to protect the integrity and the independence of our uh, judicial institutions uh, remained throughout. But we recognize that the way this happened shouldn't have happened. And I take responsibility uh, for the mistakes that I made. At the same time, we learned many lessons through that and we're Aided and will be aided by the McClellan report, which has been released today.
0: Look at how he's talking there. It, it, it was an incredible press conference. I don't want to play too much of it. You'll get dumber by the second. It's like your IQ will be ping, 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 ping. I don't want to make you any dumber. I, I did it. I watched it. I'm about five IQ points dumber. I'll never get him back. But you see what he did there? He reframed the issue as if he wasn't in it. He always says, oh, there are lessons learned, and you see, I was, I was trying so hard. I love judicial independence, and I love standing up for jobs, and I just, I just love too much. So uh, we have to balance, but like, it's always as if he's an outside observer. Just like you and me, he's passive. He's above the fray. He said he accepts uh, the ruling by the uh, commissioner, but he disagrees with it. Well, hang on, those, which one is it, buddy? You accept it or you disagree with it? Oh, well, neither. He's got nothing to do with it. He, he'll solve the problem. In fact, he'll reconcile those two differences, independent, those two different interests, independent judiciary and fighting for jobs, neither of which was the fact. He wasn't fighting for jobs. He, uh, the ethics commissioner said it was a private interest he was serving. But he's above the problem. He's watching it like a pundit. No, you crook. You are the problem. But you know, precious few journalists dare to say that. Who can intervene here? Who can stop this? It's been five convictions now. Who can have the power to get those documents that he's hiding, to get those nine witnesses, to make them free to testify in court over Trudeau's objections? Well, well the only answer is the RCMP, actually. But they're silent. Here's a letter months ago, signed by former Attorneys General across Canada. From different political parties, different regions, they're all asking the RCMP to investigate. So far, silence from the RCMP, but how can they be silent now in the face of this legal finding of fact that Justin Trudeau broke the law? How can they not, they, they, they had the facts and they had the law, He's convicted. How can they not investigate him for corruption now? Frankly, to, in, to investigate if he himself took bribes, because he sure is acting like he did. It's that brazenness. Trudeau and his cronies are daring people to move on. They're daring them. They're acting like everything's normal. They're saying, no, 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 you're the weird one. Oh, if you think we did something wrong, well, you must be extremist or racist. Uh, um, you know, by, by, by saying that we shouldn't protect such a star company like SNC-Lavalin, even though it's already confessed a serially corrupt, bribe-paying company. If you, if you don't stand with SNC-Lavalin, you must be an Islamophobe. Gerald Butts, the mastermind of both the vacation on Billionaire Island and this corruption, he originally resigned in disgrace. Do you remember that? But now he's just waltzed back into the PMO. I mean, why not? Who's going to speak against him? The media, who are now on his payroll through the bailout. Here's the them Post today. Oops, ha <laughs> ha oh, ha, tee hee, oops, he did it again. Trudeau broke conflict of interest rules and SNC-Lavalin affair watchdog finds. Oh, but he's, so, he's such a lovable lug, come here, let me give you a hug, I can't stay mad at you. Whoopsies, it was just a little whoopsies, people. Here's a Toronto Star, he broke rules. No, 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 he didn't broke rules, mate. He broke the law. Why is the Toronto Star using weasel words? We oh, he broke some rules, no big deal. No, he broke the law. The CBC is in full panic mode. <laughs> Look at this, right in the middle of the whole thing. They tweet something, I don't know. I mean, when their master needs them to distract the most, they go full tilt. Here they are talking about the New Zealand shooter. Yeah, that's the ticket. Oh, um, and Donald Trump, orange man bad, and uh, pro-lifers are coming with their unregistered guns. Yeah, whatever it takes to turn the channel from this, that's the CBC state broadcaster. They're in full damage control mode. Look, I think it's big what's going on. Not the, not the crime, the actual corruption and bribes. That, that is big. Not the cover-up. I mean, that is really big, pressuring the justice minister to break the law. But the fact that the crime has been uncovered and the cover-up itself has been revealed, and that now we're just in a staring contest to see who will blink first. That kind of staring contest suggests that everyone has the same moral code because Justin Trudeau and his corrupt boss Gerald Butts, they they never blink. So if we're just going to stare at them, they're not going to blink people. These are the people who took a convicted terrorist on their trip to India and then blamed India. These are the people who put not one but two Trudeau nannies on the public payroll and dared you to criticize them and didn't care if you did. But himself showed his moral code, his moral fiber, by pocketing more than a hundred grand just to move from Toronto to Ottawa. They're corrupt. They're the Lebranos. They're breaking the law. And now, that's not an opinion. That's a legal finding of fact. They broke the law. And and what are you going to do about it? The media will make some jokes about it. Whoopsies, he did it again. Maybe some of them will even look to get in on some of the action. I mean, maybe SNC-Lavalin will throw them a few bucks for some positive coverage. That seems to be how they operate. Maybe they can lobby Trudeau and Morneau and David Lametti, the disgraceful lawyer who succeeded Jody Wilson-Raybould. Maybe they can get in on it, get in on the take. A healthy country would morally demand that a serial lawbreaker, a corrupt crook like Trudeau resign, but I don't Think we're healthy as a country. Not our media, not our police, not our political class, not our lawyers, not our courts. A few examples of moral exemplars, to be sure. Jody wilson Rabel, Jane Philpott. But they've been demonized now by the establishment for daring to stand up to Trudeau. I, I expect we'll see attacks on Mario Dino, Dion, the ethics commissioner, as soon as tomorrow. And, and, and then what? Is that all? Is that it? That's the sad part. I think this law-breaking, corrupt little trust fund kid... I think he's going to get away with it. What do you think? Stay with us for more. Well, this is a shocking report, but not surprising. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean. I don't think anyone was surprised that what Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott and others said about Justin Trudeau was, in fact, the truth. And his bald-faced denial in the face of that original Globe and Mail article was false. I don't think that's surprising, but it is shocking to see the details confirmed by a conflict of interest and ethics commissioner. And joining us now via Skype from Edmonton. Is our friend Lauren Gunter, senior columnist for the Edmonton Sun. Lauren, uh, you've had a chance to go through the report, at least in a cursory manner. Um, tell me your biggest takeaway from the report, and then maybe tell us some details that you thought were
2: most interesting. Just one, one word sums it up. It's devastating. It really is. I mean, it, uh, the, the ethics commissioner Mario Dion says uh, that Trudeau and people directed by Trudeau put uh, undue pressure on Wilson raybould to uh, to uh, overturn uh, a lawful decision made by the independent prosecutor's office. Uh, they did it on many occasions. They did it in inappropriate ways, uh, and that they put at risk the independence of the court system in Canada. I, to me, that's devastating. Yeah. Now. I am articulating it in a slightly less bureaucratic way than Dion's office did. But but nonetheless, it's very obvious from what's being said. It's, it's not you have to read between the lines or you have to figure He says on multiple occasions, the yeah. prime minister directly or people directed by the prime minister put unwarranted and undue pressure on the attorney general to try and uh, cover up the SNC prosecution. Yeah. And. I don't think you can get much more devastating than that.
0: Yeah. Well, and the idea of interfering with the trial, I mean, it's so unusual to hear that in a free country. Uh, There's probably been a a thousand Hollywood movies made of some mob boss interfering with the trial. And how do they do it? Well, maybe they can bribe a judge or a prosecutor, but more likely they can bribe someone on the jury. But it's all Mm. dirty interference obviously illegal and criminal Um, I mean I I can't help but think of that scene in The Godfather where where, where someone was going to turn on the mob boss and then they get to him through threatening his family, they bring his brother in from Italy, that's how it normally looks in the movies it's a dirty criminal act by a gang, when it's orchestrated through the lawful instruments of the Prime Minister's office it's going to look the way described in this report. I mean, there's no yeah, difference absolutely. in how, in the goal, stop the prosecution. It's just, it doesn't look grubby. It looks lawyerly, but it's still
2: corrupt. Yeah, I think corrupt's a good word for it too. Uh, and, and you know, of course, Trudeau is the first prime minister to have been found in uh, violation of the ethics laws uh, for taking the free trip, to the Aga Khan's private island in the Bahamas, now he's the first prime minister to be found in violation of the ethics laws for having done this, uh, and the conflict of interest laws for having done this, anybody with any shame would resign. And you could bet that already, online and on TV, the CBC and the Star would have been hollering for Stephen Harper's resignation. If if this had happened under a conservative, if Andrew Scheer becomes the prime minister and something like this happens to him, they'll be the first to shout that he must step aside for the good of the country. They would already have had like because they, they, you know, we all knew this report was coming sometime this week. They would already have had a, lined up their constitutional experts and political scientists would say mm-hmm. it's not possible for a prime minister so badly damaged by these accusations to continue in office. Mm-hmm. But will you see any of that around Trudeau? No. And Trudeau has no shame. And I don't think he has a lot of intellect. So he probably will not resign. In fact, he definitely won't resign. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm already
0: looking at some of the headlines by the uh, uh, the Star and the CBC. He broke the rules. No, no, they weren't rules. They were the Conflict of Interest Act. He broke the law. Oh, he, yeah. he went outside the guidelines. Like they're using the most minimalistic language that's yep. not even accurate. I compare that to the year and a half long mania over the accusation that Mike Duffy uh, mm-hmm. expensed too much in travel, and so Nigel Wright just cut a check to the government to make it good. That turned into a year-and-a-half-long criminal uh, trial, of which there was no convictions in the
2: end. But holy cow, right. were there calls for resignations. Right. Let me ask you a right. question, and Lord. Are- Harper must have known. And that was the, that was the theme throughout the, the, the investigation and the trial. I remember when the RCMP's report into the Duffy uh, scandal came out uh, and, and the questioning went on in the House of Commons. It was always about, well, there's nothing in this report that says Harper knew anything about this, but he must have known. Surely he must have known what his chief of staff was doing. And therefore, he's guilty by association and must resign. Yeah. Well, this is a report that says, the prime minister was in violation of Section 9 mm-hmm. of the Conflict of Interests Act. Yeah. And, and will he resign? No. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I understand
0: the allegation that maybe Mike Duffy padded his expenses. I, I don't know if he did. He wasn't convicted of doing so. But the, but the reason there was a whole, whole trial there was that allegedly Nigel Wright by paying the money back anyways yeah. had yeah. committed some sort of bribery like I I don't even think 90% of Canadians if you if you put it to them that way would understand what the no. alleged and, crime was And what
2: what you 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 will remember that I worked for the leader of the government in the Senate mm. in the 1980s mm. and what Mike Duffy was doing was what many 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 senators were doing then and since and that was claiming to be a resident of his original home province while well, actually being a resident of Ottawa and then writing off the Ottawa residents as his away-from-home residence, as his, right. his, his uh, government-paid accommodations when he had to be away. Well, he hadn't lived in PEI in 40 years, but he was claiming that he did and, and expensing his Ottawa residents. That's scummy. There's no question about it. It shouldn't be allowed. Uh, but it, we're not talking here about threatening the independence of the prosecutorial system in canada threatening the, ju- the judicial system in canada by putting undue pressure on an attorney general which right. is what trudeau and butts and others who are named in this report have done right well and and so nigel
0: wright's solution to this problem was cut a check to the government to fix it yeah. that's what spurred the whole uh yeah. rcmp action um i think and, and compare that to massive fraud, bribery, corruption in Libya. And we know SNC-Lavalin has corrupted yep. the bidding process here in North America, too, including in Canada, including in Montreal. And so I'm saying the underlying problem, OK, Nigel Wright cut a check to the government of 90 grand. SNC-Lavalin paid tens of millions of dollars in bribes to corrupt the... So the underlying crime is spectacularly more devastating in the SNC-Lavalin case. And the prime minister himself led a long, months-long process to undermine a prosecution. My question to you, Lorne, is where's the cops? We've had five attorneys general, uh, former attorneys general of provinces and, and the feds, say, RCMP, you need to investigate. We yep. see this conviction now by the Conflict of Interest Act commissioner. We now know more of the underlying facts. If the RCMP will go to war over Nigel Wright chipping in
2: 90 grand to make things even, where's the RCMP here, Lorne? And I would I would say the RCMP did the right thing in the Nigel Wright case in investigating it because it, you know you couldn't tell whether or not on the face of it whether or not that illegality had happened so that's what the RCMP does, mm-hmm. uh, and but should it also happen in this one? Well, we already know that somebody's broken the law and his name is Justin Trudeau. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I think the irony in all of this, and this is this came out two or three weeks ago, the finance minister in Quebec said that. After uh, SNC announced that it was going to do a big corporate shakeup and restructure, and lots of jobs were going to be lost, and they were going to get out of of uh, big infrastructure programs across the country for a while, he said, "Yeah, we're not paying any money towards these guys to keep them afloat." This whole thing was based on the Trudeau government deciding that we had to do everything as a country that we possibly could, including going easy on a criminal act, a potential criminal act of bribery. Yeah. We had to do everything we could as a country to keep SNC happy so that they would stay in Montreal and they would continue to employ thousands of Quebecers. And the Quebec government won't even do that.
0: Yeah. Well, And, and by the way, of course, SNC-Lavalin just did a major renovation and renewed their lease in Montreal. They're not going anywhere. I, I just, you know, a lot of the rule of law depends on the consent of the governed, the consent of the people to go along with the rules. Absolutely. I mean, in in some ways, all law depends on the compliant agreement of citizens because if every single citizen decided one day to do something illegal, there just aren't enough cops and courts to enforce it. So we have to agree to abide by the rules. And so when there's something as stunning as this report, in a responsible democracy, you would see resignations in the name of honor. And you still see that in places like Korea, Japan. You see politicians groveling and saying, I have let you down and disgraced my family and my name. in a way, Jody Wilson-Raybould was living up to that very high moral standard for herself, yeah. and Jane Philpott even more so. The problem with Justin Trudeau and Gerald Butts is they're amoral, and, and they'll never step down unless forced, and they'll brazen they're, it out, and they tempt others to say, oh, this is the new normal now, or we don't have to go along with the rules now, or the rules don't apply now. That's what I'm worried about.
2: They are, they are benighted. Progressives. And they have convinced themselves that no one else sees things with as much compassion and wisdom and justice as they do. So therefore, we have to stop any criticism of them that might threaten their existence in power. Because only they are qualified to, to, to do this. It's, it's not as, you know, in their own minds, it's not as though they're malicious. It's just that, my God, could you imagine if, if this criticism continues and Andrew Scheer becomes the prime minister? Then all of the great things that we are doing, which are the, exactly the same, fit exactly tightly with the national interest in their minds all of these great things we are doing to save canada and save the planet they will go out the window yeah. so what we do well it may be a little rough at times it's fully justified because the alternative is worse
0: yeah yeah that's it's sort of like how feminists would defend bill clinton despite mm-hmm. all of his yeah. sexual yeah. harassment and even credible claims of rape uh and teddy kennedy um rapist sexual harasser murderer of mary joe kopechny Um, They said, well, you know, they may be awful, but they do so much good. We have to, I I mean, I think that Bill Clinton killed uh, the feminist movement for a decade because they basically said, we're going to do a trade-off here. And the liberals are asking their side of the aisle to do the same thing. Yeah, sure, we're corrupt. Sure, we feather our nest. Sure, we're at the trough, but we're not evil like Andrew Scheer. And I wonder if they'll get away with it. Let me ask you this, Lauren." Mm-hmm. When the first four convictions under the Conflict of Interest Act happened, it was the trip to Billionaire's Island by the Aga Khan. And you know that Gerald Butts and Trudeau knew it was wrong because they kept it secret. If you don't think you're doing anything wrong, you don't try and hide it and cover it up. Yeah. But that was before Trudeau's uh, Teflon was blown off by this SNC-Lavalin matter. So Trudeau really got away with those first four convictions, yeah. no problem. The difference here is that since February, he hasn't had that Teflon anymore. He's actually been trailing in most polls. Do you think this will make a bigger dent, or has the market already accounted for this news?
2: Well, I I honestly think the Liberals have been bouncing back the last few months. Mm -hmm. I I think that their scare campaigns are working. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, okay, just exactly what you said, we're bad, but... The alternative is way worse so stick with us you know, hold your nose and vote liberal uh and, and you know they're going to play up gun control that sounds like in in the coming election mm-hmm. they're certainly going to play up climate change mm-hmm. uh which you know they they basically created a moral panic mm-hmm. over over climate change uh and they're going to claim on the social side that that uh, andrew shear is a is a closet gay basher mm-hmm. uh and so they're going to do all those things that are markers for progressive voters around the country uh, in order to, to frighten people to stay in the liberal base. And I think, I think it will largely work. I mean, I, it, it, some people will probably get fed up with the scandals uh, who otherwise would vote liberal and will vote green or maybe NDP. But, but by and large, I, I worry, because uh, if you look at the, the regional breakdowns of polls, not just the overall national polls. The, uh, the Conservatives have highly concentrated support in the Prairie Provinces and in the interior of BC, but the Liberals have very good support in Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, that whole gold, golden horseshoe around Toronto, and the Lower Mainland of BC, which is almost enough by itself, all those put together uh, to win a majority. I think they'll get a solid minority. That's my prediction right now.
0: Well, very interesting. I. Um... It'll just be interesting to see all those ethical keepers of the flame, the ones who freaked out over Bevo yep. $16 orange juice. Yep. The ones who jumped on every pretend foible of Stephen Hopper. Uh, the excuse we're going to see in the day. I think it's going to be a combination. Wall-to-wall stories at the CBC about yep. Islamophobia, orange man bad. Uh, Andrew Shears well, coming the, for your abortion rights. What so
2: you, was it? What's the, the you like? I I've been away the last weekend. There was some sort of racist rant on a video with a woman holding up a vote Shearer sign or some something. And yeah, some, the whole thing was a hoax. It was a fake. Yeah, yeah. Well, we expect a lot more of that.
0: Yeah. Well, Lauren. Um, I'm impressed with this report, but it only goes so far. It's toothless. Um, I think Bob Fife and the Globe and Mail are energized by it. It confirms everything they ever said. So at least there's one journalist who's going to keep at this. I sense you are. We will. Um, It'll be interesting to see what, what I call the media party, what they will do. I wonder, because I think they just love Trudeau too much. They'll forgive that lovable old lug anything. We'll find out in the months ahead. It's, it's what, 75 days till the election. We'll know soon enough.
2: Yes, and, and you wait. There are going to be lots of ads morphing uh, Andrew Scheer's face into Doug Ford's face, because yeah. that's where they think that their uh, their votes lie. Yeah, you're so
0: right. All right, great to see you, Lauren. Thanks for your time. You bet. All right, there's our friend Lauren Contr, senior columnist for the Edmonton Sun. Stay with us. More ahead on The Rebel. Welcome back on my monologue yesterday about a fake news hoax about Andrew Shear being promoted by the mainstream media. Liza writes, Talia Davidson didn't sound like any conservative I know. They don't talk or act like that. Well, it's not just that she didn't sound like a conservative. No one who is sane would think that swearing, shouting, insulting, spitting at someone wins votes. So if you have a sign saying, vote Andrew Shear while doing something you know is extremely bad, everyone knows that's a fake. Everyone knows that's a figure. It reminds me of a story some, some Democrat politicians told. told I can't even remember who, but it's very funny. He said he used to, this Democrat, he used to, when he rode taxis, leave a huge tip and say, vote Democrat. But one day he wised up and he left no tip and said, vote Republican. You see my point? If your conduct is irritating and annoying, you put a false flag up. No one believes that Talia Davidson really wanted people to vote for sheer, because you don't spit at someone when you're trying to get their vote. Only the media party was stupid enough to believe that. Revelation writes, as Rosanna percent right, when he says it's a leftist stereotypical view of a conservative, that's the success of the left-wing media. I've run into it many times around the internet. Yeah, that's the thing is that, I mean, we've talked about this before, if you're right wing, you have had to get used to liberal thinking, liberal people, because you're surrounded by it. No matter where you are in the world, you're inundated by the popular culture. You can be in the most right wing district in Canada or the United States anywhere. You're going to get your left wing dose. But there are many leftists who are in an, in an impermeable barrier who have never met a conservative, who have never met anyone other than their class and caste. And and so they have only this caricature of the right. I think that's what we saw there. On my interview with Gordon Chang, Paul writes, China cannot be trusted. Taiwan is no doubt taking note of what's going on in Hong Kong. Give up any sovereignty to China today, and you'll be giving up lives tomorrow. Yeah, I'm really nervous about these trucks mustering on the Hong Kong border. I can't believe they would destroy such a jewel. Hong Kong is one of the... I mean, in, in some ways, it's not comparable to London, Paris... New York but in other ways it is it's a remarkable city it's a huge city it's a developed city it's a it's a cultural city it's a historic city uh, it, it's a brilliant city it's a commercially powerful city to to wreck it in a kind of civil war which is what china's threatening it's unthinkable it's unthinkable to do that to yourself i don't know but i think china would crush anything and anyone that threatened their power Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, see you at home. Good night, and keep fighting for freedom.